Good morning. God bless you. Jack made a little mistake Friday night. He said I helped write the book. I didn't help write the book. The book came out in April, and I got in in May. And I'd like to say that those first 60 people started writing that book when Dr. Bob and Bill got together. That's when it all started. It was through their combined efforts of the ones that come along later that they found. And they're praying together. They're working together. Using the good book, the Sermon on the Mount, the book of James, the first chapter of Corinthians, 13th chapter of Corinthians. The four absolutes, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love, and tried to live by those to guide their lives so they would be able to pass it on. And I wonder when we sit down and pick up the book and start reading whether we are indeed knowing what, how much went into the divine guidance and spiritual understanding of that book. And we are very fortunate that we had that to go by. That we didn't have to go by trial and error, error too much because they put it down in a spiritual way. They put in a drinking man's language something that we seem to know when we open that book, it's just like sitting there with those people that wrote it. It's a guide to sobriety. It's a guide to service. And that's what this conference is about. Sobriety and service. And I'm a great believer that that book is the best guide that we have to go by. When that book came out, many people rode into New York and ordered a book. They took the book home and got sober by just reading in the book. They were called loners. Pretty soon someone seen them and said, what are you doing? And there was another and another. And then another AA group was born. And it's just the same today as it was back then. No difference. Nothing in this world has much power as a world thought born in its day. And the AA in June 1935, the miracle of AA was born. What a privilege for me to stand here today and be a part of a fellowship such as this. In 1939, May 1939, 
There were two groups in the country, in the world, a hundred people. And for me to stand here before you today, the way I feel, I can't put it in words. Just impossible. But anyway, I'll talk a little about myself this morning, how I got in and what it means to me. Drinking did to me what it did to most of us. Made me a selfish, egotistical, self-centered, unreliable person. It created financial problems, caused family problems, and during a period of drinking I lost my sense of values. I became emotionally unbalanced. And I was remorseful, and I didn't drink to get drunk. I just wanted to feel good. But I couldn't control it the latter part of my drink. And it was in one of these remorseful stages that I looked at myself and said, what's causing all these family problems and financial problems? And I, for the first time, became a little bit honest with myself and said, I believe it's a bottle of booze. And so I tried to quit. I said, well, I'll eliminate that bottle of booze. And for six months, I fought this booze. I didn't really want to quit. I just didn't want to get drunk. And then one day, my good wife, she went to a town where we, Worcester, where we did some business. We, I lived in a little town. We lived in a little town known as Creston, Ohio, which is 25 miles from Akron. But we had a friend over in Worcester I used to drink with, and we did our banking there, and he was a banker. And Ruth walked in one day and said, uh, Walter, will you pray, pray for Ernest? And Walter says, is he still drinking? And she said he never quit. He said, sure. Now, Walter had got sober a year and a half or two before AA started. He got sober through the Oxford group and he became acquainted with Dr. Bob because Dr. Bob drove to Worcester to attend Oxford group meetings uh, at that time and that's how Walter got acquainted with Dr. Bob. So he handed Ruth the name of Dr. Bob Smith, Second National Bank building, and he said, here's a man that is letting God work through him and can help a person who wants to quit drinking. He didn't mention AA, smart as he was, but here is a man that God is working through and letting God work through him. And Ruth came home and told me about it, and you know what happened. I was really mad. I resented the fact that she was broadcasting my drinking, especially to the banker, because I was broke anyway. But she didn't lose me too much, and I said, I'll show you. I'm going to quit. So I'm going to show Ruth that I can quit drinking. 
I'm master of my own destiny. And for five or six more months, I fought the booze. I got drunk six times in six months, but I couldn't make the grade. And this particular morning, on a Friday morning, I woke up. And I said to myself, maybe I am going nuts. Maybe I better go to the doctor. Let's go, Ruth. Those were the sweetest words she ever heard. Anyway, we made arrangements and we drove over to Akron together. We walked in the doctor's office together. He looked at me and he said, you got a drinking problem. And I said, not too bad. I was drunk last night. And he said, well, you don't look bad anyway. I was dressed up. I was nervous for thinking of the humiliating thing that I'm doing here to have to ask somebody to help me. Egotistical learning. I'm master of my own destiny, and here I gotta go and ask somebody for help. That made me uh, nervous. <laughs> but nevertheless, I talked to him a while, and I told him we'd go down to Mayflower Hotel, and he said, no, you're not going down there. And uh, he, I gave him a little argument, and he finally said to me, Ernie, you either do it the way I'm going to suggest to you, or go on home and keep on doing it the way you've been doing it. Makes me no difference. And I want... My ego went right, and I said, Doc, I come over here to find out how to quit drinking. How am I going to do it? He said, I'm going to put you in the hospital. Well, I'm sober. I don't need, I'm physically fit. I don't need that. That's where you're going to go. I said, how much is it going to cost me? And he said, it's going to cost you six dollars and a half a day. <laughs> And my services are free. And he went on to administer the 5,000 patients after that. Think of that. For free. Why? He told me many times because I need you too. I need you people too. This is the way I found sobriety. By sharing. Well, I went to hospital. And I wasn't in the hospital over three hours or two or three hours until he walked three gentlemen. Now, I know now why he wanted to put me in the hospital. He wanted to be sure I was going to be sober when he had these other alkies call on me. <laughs> because if I'd have lived in Akron, they'd have probably come out the house to see me. And I didn't, everybody don't have to go to the hospital. When I was sober, I'd stay sober for a week or two weeks or four weeks at a time. But anyway, these nice gentlemen come in there, and they started to share their experiences with me, how they drank, and how they had found a way to stay away from the first drink. And they stayed a couple hours, and they were real rough stories, jails and jams and all those things, and I hadn't been in jail. I still had the wife, and I began to think. How can anybody drink like that and be alive? 
But the main thing was that night when the doc walked in, Dr. Bob walked in the room under his arm. He had two books. One was the AA book, and the other one was a sermon on the mount. And I told him I didn't think none of this was for me. And he said, Ernie, what assurance do you have that you're not going to get like those guys? You only drank 12 years. I drank for 35. And he handed me the big book and the Sermon on the Mount. He said, your answers are in these two books. You dig them up. I don't want to drink anymore. Well, that was about all the conversation I had with him. But that was enough. Because I started to read the big book that night. Well, these people in the hospital had come to call on me with the sharing their experiences, reading in that book. They didn't ask me any questions. They didn't psychoanalyze me. All they did was tell me their experiences. They didn't care what I worked at. They didn't care whether I had any money or was a bum. They didn't care. They only asked me two questions. Do you believe in God? And do you think you have a drinking problem? And I had to answer that in affirmative because I believe in God and I wouldn't have been there if I didn't have a drinking problem. And they said, if you do, we offer you a hand of friendship. And they made me feel needed. They made me feel wanted. They didn't condemn me. They made me feel useful. They gave me something I had lost. And so it was through their efforts that I was able to make a decision that I was powerless over alcohol and my life had become unmanageable. I didn't understand what it was all about. And so I began to ask, and so the good doctor gave me a daily program. I said, Doc, I don't understand this about alcoholism. I don't understand these 12 steps. I know that I can't drink. I'm powerless over alcohol. and I'm, My life is unmanageable. But the third step says, make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand them. Well, I thought I was doing that even when I was drinking. Wasn't I going to church and wasn't I a trustee of the Methodist Church Board, which I'm not proud of? Well, he said, you ought to know what it's all about. I said, no, I don't. What are you doing to stay away from the first drink? And that's why I believe that everybody needs a daily program, because he made it so simple and easy for me. I'll give you a daily program, he said, and I want to share it with you this morning. Because I've been using the same thing since I've been in AA. And that is to seek through prayer and ask God to guide you in the morning to let, and take him with you through the day that you might be of use today. Anywhere you are, you can pray. But be sure. And start your day with a little quiet time and a little prayer and meditation. That's number one. The second thing I want you to do is when the opportunity presents itself, 
to share your story with somebody when the opportunity presents itself. Take time out like those guys took time out to share it with you. When the opportunity presents itself. And thirdly, I want you to come over here every Wednesday night to a meeting. And why do I need to come to a meeting? He said, well, you need the fellowship. You need to associate with other people like you are, alcoholics. Where you can talk about a drinking problem and be understood. Where you can talk about a way of life and be understood. And you can share with them together. And grow together. Now, he said, if you do those three things honestly and sincerely, Ernie, you won't drink anymore. He didn't say maybe. He said you won't drink anymore if you do them honestly and sincerely. But it is your responsibility to do them. It is your problem. It is not mine. You do them. And with determination in my heart, I went home and I started to do them. And that was the last encounter I ever had with booze. Was that Friday night, that Thursday night before I went over there. Because I have never missed that daily program, that prayer and meditation since I have been in this fellowship. And that to me is where it starts within me that I need to change my way of living. So Ruth and I went to our meeting, and Doc also said, be sure and bring Ruth. We might go after her, but we're not coming after you. <laughs> but he said, you can drive. You only got 25 miles, and be sure and bring her. I bring Ruth, and I created within her doubt and frustration and security, worry. And wonderment, don't you need a little hope too? You think maybe this might work? And so we went to the first meeting together. And on the way home, you know what Ruth said? Ernie, with all that smoke and all that sweat, I have felt the presence of God at that meeting more than I felt at any other place in my life. And she said, we'll go through this together. And we had. We went to meetings together. We lived it together. We prayed together. And I believe that that is important. And I know during that first six months, without Ruth's prayers and meditation and understanding and loving, I doubt sometimes whether I'd have made the grade, because many a time I've tried to remake it going to the meeting because I was too tired. We said we got the babysitter, we're going, okay. And you know, I forgot about being tired, I forgot about myself when I got the meeting and seen all these other people. That was great for me. This is one day you're going to listen more than 30 minutes to Ernie. We grew up in this together, and I believe that that is the way to do it. Why, when I let Ruth sit at home all those years while I was drinking, 
And I say, well, I found something. You stay at home. I'm going to go and get my spiritual help. Well, alcoholics don't have a priority on a spiritual way of life. Spiritual way of life that we're trying to follow is old as the centuries, as old as creation. Just because we're alcoholics don't justify us to do different, be different than an ordinary human being. And so, I kept following this program and we kept going to meetings. And here I am today, using the same daily program today as I did then, but with a little bit more broadened and a little bit more understanding and a little bit more feeling of security than I had when I first got in. And I'm using the 12 steps as a guide to live by. And the four absolutes is a goal to reach. Honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. And that don't scare anybody. That shouldn't scare anybody away. Because it's a, those are big words. And we need to try to improve ourselves each day. And to that extent, we'll finally find it. And the way honesty begins, I think I became honest with myself when I looked at myself the first time and said, I got a problem. That's the beginning of honesty. Honesty is a continuation of following a program, following a new design for living. And unselfishness is not more, nothing more than sharing, sharing our experiences with other people, and purity, of course, is recognized. That God is the source of all our supply. He is the power. He is the good. He is the knowing. And he's the one that's going to be with us and keep our things on a positive basis. And love, of course, includes many things. It includes everything. Love is patience, kindness, generosity, humility, Courtesy, unselfishness, tolerance, and sincerity. That's what Henry Drummond says in his little book, The Greatest Thing in the World. And to the extent that I follow those things and extend those kindnesses and courtesies to my fellow man, to that extent, I'm extending love. And I'm going to keep it just that easy. I'm not going to get complicated, but I'm going to try to be a little bit better person today. Following this has changed my life, sure. It demanded of me self-discipline. It demanded of me to do the things that I needed to do. Taught me to look within myself to find that inner life and be quiet and alone with the great creator and all that is within the universe. It gives me the freedom to choose and to dedicate my life to the service of others. And with the help of all you good people and the help of God, I know that I can continue to serve mankind, which I think maybe that is what I'm here for. And we want to continue so bright and we talk about the eleventh step a little bit. Well, it's just through prayer and meditation. 
to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge and the power to carry it out. It don't say we have to have all the answers in that step, just to improve as we understand. That's a big order. That's a great step. When you read that and apply it to your inner self, you'll find that you'll be the movie. You'll be able to share and to be available when the opportunity presents itself. We'll become a part of the answer rather than a part of the problem. And there'll be no misunderstanding how you act and how you live when we really read that step and mean it. I can never forget the mistakes of the past. I'll never forget those any more than the ABC. But I don't want to be reminded of them every day either. I don't want to think that I need to get up in the morning and have my prayer and meditation. If I don't, I'll get drunk. I'd rather think that I want to have prayer and meditation for the joy of having it. And there's a difference. The joy of having it is positive, and if I do it because I'm afraid of something, that's something else. And I want to remember and continue in this fellowship to count my many blessings and to be grateful for the many things that's happened and the good things in my life, in this life, since we have found this fellowship. And to be grateful for the privilege of being a part of this fellowship. How often have you heard it said, man, I had to get into AA. As though it was punishment. <laughs> this is a privilege for us guys, for us people. And we use this God-given gift in the spirit of love and service. And I want to remember also, too, that my life is just as unmanageable today as it was when I got into AA without God's help. And I never want to take that away, because that's when they get complacent and start running the show again. I never want to run the show. I'm going to do what it says in the big book somewhere. It says, let God be the principal, let him do the engineering, and I'll just do the legwork. Pass it on what I have, what understanding I have. And that's the way I want it to be. I want to remember, too, that AA is human in its organization, in its fellowship. But it's divine in its purpose. It's divine in its purpose, and that purpose is to point me towards God. I want to be generous in my giving, kind in my criticism, and good in my attitude. I want to keep my attitude in good shape. The principles of AA are the same today as they were when I got in. They didn't change the 12 steps to fit me because I didn't understand the first, second, or third, or tenth, or eleventh steps. But I had to change me to fit into that. I had to change me. And likewise with the spiritual laws of the universe, 
They don't change. The sun don't. This comes up in the morning and sets in the evening. Not because we got sober, <laughs> but because that is one of the universal laws. That is one of the spiritual laws. Creation. That hasn't changed. But we change, or we better, and try to live in accordance with the spiritual laws of the universe. People change, the spiritual laws don't. And I want to continue to get to AA. My interest, my enthusiasm, my devotion, and most of all, myself. Not for any personal glory, but to the glory of God, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. I just want to do the legwork. And I think as we leave today, we might go home and review what it says in the last chapter, the first part of the big book, and have a desire and a new dedication to abandon ourselves to God as we understand him, Admit your faults to him and your fellow man. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find. And we shall meet as we trudge the road to a happy destiny. And happiness is the result of our harmonious adjustments to the universal plan. Fortress, he puts it a little bit different. In one of her writings, she says, God has given every one a song to sing in the great course of life. God never makes mistakes. If I seem to be a discordant note in the universal choir, it is because I am singing, I am not singing my own song. So let us play in tune with the universal one. Everyone has a part to play on a great stage of life. And I hope that the Lord will let me do my best, help me to retain what I have found, and use the wisdom I possess to reach my goal and build a life of service and of happiness. A lot of people get confused about prayer. Well, trying to pray is praying. That's what Fox says. So if you get confused about prayer, just try to pray. Keep trying to pray. Whenever you're ready, you'll find everything else is ready and in order. It is the service to others we make the greatest growth. For serving, we find joy. And the way to God is through serving with a loving heart. That's the way it works. And I want to remember, too, to live this day to the glory of the one, that I may be ever worthy of his life in the fulfillment of that part of his purpose which is mine to fulfill. Doing these things, I'm sure, I know, we will have a good life. I know that I have found a balanced life again. I know that my 
emotions are under control. I know a higher power. And I hope and pray that as you leave here today, that you will continue to leave God work through you, that you may, that you may be able to help the many thousands yet to come who walk into that door. Seeking for help from an alcoholic problem and a new design for a living. And may the giver of gifts give unto you that which is good and that which is true, the will to help the courage to do a heart that can sing the whole day through, whether skies are gray or weather blue. May the giver of gifts give these to you. Thank you and God bless you.